Hello, welcome to Watch It Baptist Church Online. My name is Mike. I'm the pastor at Watch It Baptist Church. You find us on our YouTube channel and uh, also on our podcasts in various places. And it's good to be with you to look at this second part in a series called Growing on the Frontline, which is really prompted and inspired and running alongside the LICC material of the same name. We're going to pray uh, and we're going to read from Genesis 3. So let's do that now. Father God, you created in such wonderful ways, so many incredible things, including us. Lord Jesus, you call us to yourself and ask us to follow you. Holy Spirit, you lead us into truth and you make us fruitful. So almighty God, would we call on you in all of who you are, and learn to do things your way. Amen. Okay, we're reading uh, from the New Living Translation, and it's Genesis 3, we're starting at verse 1, and we'll be going all the way down to verse 13. It says this, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it and then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden so they hid from the Lord God among the trees and when the Lord God called to the man where are you he replied I heard you were walking in the garden so I hid I was afraid because I was naked who told you you were naked the Lord God asked have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat the man replied it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. There's lots to look at here. And for many of us, lots of that story will be familiar. Although I trust that visiting it again will be helpful and remind us what it says. There's an important truth in the middle of all this account of really how we understand sin coming into the world and that truth is about our importance when i was uh, a teenager still my parents got me a little book for christmas it wasn't long before i was leaving for university uh, or it wasn't university it was college the college i went to wasn't quite grand enough to be a university just yet but the book was called life's little instruction book part two 
and it was the second volume in what was essentially a series of bits of advice given by a father to his son as he was growing up. I never saw what book one was like, but book two had lots of little gems in it. Most of them haven't stuck with me, although I remember them being good. But the one that really did stick with me said this. Remember that everyone wears an invisible sign that says, notice me, make me feel important. It's an important thing to remember. When you look up quotes on the internet about people being or feeling important, lots of them say things like, there's almost nothing worse than suddenly realising that you're not as important as you thought you were. Or there is no joy better than being among people who think you're important and you think they're important. Those are very poor paraphrases, but I think you get what I mean. The feeling of importance matters to us. And it mattered to God when he created us too. You see, when God created humanity, when he placed human beings in his creation, and we read about that in that Garden of Eden account in Genesis 2, what we notice is that there are some really important things that God does for humanity in that context. He gives them a sense of purpose. He gives them acceptance. He gives them a place where they belong. He gives them fondness and welcome. He gives them his time and his presence. Now, all these things have been given to human beings and they don't know anything different. But actually, what they're used to is God coming and walking with them and talking with them in the cool of the evening, spending time with them, being in their presence, coming to find them, coming to enjoy their company. There is something beautiful in that image, an understanding of how important we are to God. And yet, at the heart of this account of how sin comes into the world, there is a choice made by humanity. It's a choice that Eve makes. And she makes it on the basis of wanting to feel important. When I was a younger teenager than when I got the book, I remember going to see the film Aladdin, the Disney animation, at the cinema. It was exciting to see for the first time. My favourite character in it is, of course, the genie, as voiced by Robin Williams. There's something almost magical about the way he delivers that part. But I also like Iago, the ridiculous parrot. And he works particularly well as a comic foil to Jafar, who's the baddie. Jafar really wants to be important. He wants power. Ultimately, he wants to be the most powerful and most important being in the universe. And he will scheme and lie and go behind people's backs and look like something he isn't in order to achieve that importance. Now, the way God created humanity, as we see in the beginning of Genesis, God thinks we are really important. 
But look at that temptation that the serpent puts in front of Eve. First of all, he sows doubt in her mind about what God says by saying, did God really say this thing? Now, Eve is smart enough to go, no, he didn't. He said this. But actually, already, the enemy, the serpent, is twisting Eve's understanding of what God is like and what God says. God has said, I'm sure in words, but also very much in action. You, Eve, are important. You get undivided time with me. You get my approval and my acceptance. You don't need to be anything more than you already are. So, the serpent's little voice, its little nudge at her, is all about saying, could you be perhaps a little bit more important? Could you be perhaps a little bit more in charge? Could you be wiser? Could you be smarter? Could you be more like others who you feel are more important than you? And the temptation is a big one. In the material for Growing on the Front Line this week, there is a story, a story of how one person's awareness of what made them important needed to be challenged. They recognised that their importance was based less on what other people thought they were doing and based more on who God believed they are. Loved, cherished, accepted, given a sense of purpose, given a place to belong in a creation made by a loving and wonderful and powerful God. The temptation for us is that we long to feel as important or more important than others. We long to be accepted. We long to be welcomed. We long to be valued and cherished. And as Eve discovered to her cost, when our version of what we need for acceptance and importance is something other than what God is already giving, then we make choices that have long consequences. It can be challenging to accept who God says we are and not yearn for more. Because we forget. And sometimes because our relationship with God isn't quite where we might want it to be. If we are to be fruitful, if we are to bear fruit, to be well rooted in God, then we need to stay in a place where those roots can go deeper. Every time we pull away from God, those roots have to just cling on. If we stop pulling away, they can just go deeper. This story I always find is really sad. And I I long for the moment where I reread it and there's a different way that Eve responds. I know that's not going to happen, but do you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of you reread it and just go, oh, if only. 
if only she'd said, I don't need to prove myself to me. I don't need to prove myself to my husband or to the serpent. I don't need to be distracted from the love and acceptance that I already have. Perhaps at the heart of our being fruitful is a remembering that we are held as important by a God who loves us. A father who sent his son to save us, to rescue us from our bad choices. Not to make them didn't happen, but to rescue us from the consequences of them. God, when he encounters Eve, doesn't turn back time and make it didn't happen. She's made a choice. And she's got to live with that and its consequences. Perhaps it's important for us to keep coming back to the version of us that God already accepts. So that we stop striving to be anything else. Only to be the people that God has called us to be. Only to be the people Jesus sees that we can be. So what can we do about this? How might we approach things in a way that helps us keep those roots in the right place? That helps us to be fruitful, sending out shoots and bearing fruit because those roots are in a good place? How might we help ourselves? How might we nurture ourselves? Or how might we ask others to help us flourish? Last week, one of the things that I referred to was the examine prayer, and I'm going to refer to it again. It's written down a couple of times, actually, in the book that goes with this series. And it may be that you don't have access to a book, but my hope is that somebody um, that you can easily get hold of does have that. And perhaps they can help you get hold of a copy yourself, maybe write it down or type it out so that you have it to hand. The prayer of examine is important. It's not the only way of doing the things that it does. So it's not it's not sort of prescriptive. You must do this this way. But it does some important things that help us stay well rooted and that help us remember how God already believes us to be important. There are five parts to the examine prayer and they are these. Prepare. Review celebrate, repent and look ahead. The examine prayer is a way of reviewing, looking at what your hour by hour, day by day is like. But you're not looking at it alone, you're asking God to look at it with you, to help you, to kind of, oh, what's a, what's a good way of thinking about this? You know when you're, um, you know, when you're looking at a picture, uh, maybe a photograph, and somebody says, oh, look at that bit, and you can't see it, even though they keep saying it's just in the top right hand corner or whatever. It just isn't. You're just not noticing that detail. And then they actually point to it and say, you know, follow my finger. Or or if you see the bit that's, that's in the middle, right, look up from there and then across a bit. You see what I mean? Sometimes we need help seeing things. And when we do the examine prayer, that's kind of what we're, what we're doing. We're sitting alongside God and saying, Help me to review what's happening, what's happened in my day. 
what I've been feeling and why I've been feeling it. Why I've reacted the way I've reacted. Help me to celebrate where you've been involved in my life. Help me to be honest about what needs to change, to own it before God. And then look ahead. How might I do that differently in future? Now, the examine prayer is something that we do by ourselves, but what we learn in it can be shared with others that they might help us. That they might ask questions that we give them permission to ask that keep us rooted so that we can be fruitful. And that will include then some of those moments when we look at what it is that makes us feel that we're important but we can let go of. Again, there's a story in the material from NICC that talks about the link between being busy and being important and how that can be a distraction. Finally, just a little look at something of what Adam and Eve go through in those moments in the story when they have tasted the fruit and everything's changed for them. You'll notice that they suddenly become weighed down with a sense of guilt and shame. That self-awareness, that knowledge hasn't helped. Instead of those feelings of acceptance and welcome and responsibility and um, approval from God that they experienced first in the garden, those are all sidelined. And instead, Adam says to God, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. So look, there's fear and there's shame and there's guilt. Those things become what shapes Adam's behaviour because he has immediately seen God as other rather than on his side, loving him and cherishing him. Recognising our feelings, recognising the things that make us feel important or that we go chasing after because we want to be approved of. Those are the things that are going to help us keep our roots in God. Those are the things that are going to help us realise where we're pursuing something that we don't need to pursue. But awareness of those things and transformation, the change, the kind of ways that we react in those situations, that takes time. We talked last week about the way in which the symbol of a tree, well-rooted, uh, drawing in water and flourishing, is something that's used repeatedly in the Bible. And one of the things about trees that is both magnificent and annoying is that they don't do anything quickly. There are very few trees that you can put in the ground and expect to have fruit the next year or the year after that. They have to grow, they have to get stronger, they have to mature. That's what we're looking to do, to recognise who we are in God, to recognise that there are things about us that need to be transformed and the Holy Spirit will be involved in how that happens if we let him. And ultimately, to flourish and be fruitful. Let's pray. Father God, we want to be the kind of people that you intended us to be when you made us. Help us find out how we can stay close to you and invest in that. Lord Jesus, we want to be like you. 
absolutely confident of the love the Father has for us, our welcome from him, his acceptance, the sense of purpose that he gives us. Help us follow your lead as you show us how that works. And Holy Spirit, would you provide people around us who will help us, who will ask questions that are challenging and encouraging, who will be vulnerable to us as we're vulnerable to them, that we might walk together as we grow in fruitfulness. Amen. OK, let's ask our three questions. Question one. What are the things that help you feel important? The ways that you want to be seen by other people or approved of? What are you searching for? Have a look at yourself. Be honest and see if you can identify what you want other people to see in you or how you want to be important in the world around. Because unless we can get honest about that, those things can't be transformed by Jesus. Question two, what is it that makes you feel vulnerable or afraid or ashamed like Adam and Eve did? What are the things that make you feel, well, that you don't want anyone to know about those things, that you don't even feel you can talk to God about them? What are the things that bring you to that place? It might be that you don't want to share them with anyone else. If you feel brave enough to talk a little bit, you might find that really helps you. Thirdly, I'm just going to swerve away from the idea of a question and not do a third question, but instead offer a challenge. See if you can get hold of that examine prayer, E-X-A-M-E-N. It's in the book if you have a copy. If it's not, uh, like I said before, see if you can find one, ask somebody for, to provide you with one. There are five parts to it. So perhaps give yourself five minutes with one minute on each section. Or if you're feeling a little bit more um, like you can do justice to it, maybe two or three minutes on each and go to 10 or 15 minutes altogether. Invite God into the inner life that you have, the secret emotions or the emotions that you at least would like to keep secret. Bring God into those things and complete that examine prayer. OK, that's it from me for this week. I look forward to meeting up with you again to look at part three in this eight part series. But for now, take care and God bless you.